0: Well, it's a good day. And I I want to talk today about something important. Everybody say, steep places. Now put it together, steep places. If you would, watch this clip. That's the wrong clip. The other one. How many, how many of you have ever found yourself in some steep places? You know, you're not going to get through life without a struggle in your journey. There are some treacherous—have anybody ever driven some treacherous roads before? You know what I'm talking about? Wave your hand at me if you've ever been there. I was—back uh, in the 90s, I had a uh, medical shipment that I had come in possession of that— was between $1.5 and $2 million. And so, we were going to ship it to Russia. World Vision had agreed to send it free of charge. But they warned me, they said, now, Rick, we'll ship it for you. But Russia is notorious about keeping things tied up in customs and then charging you monthly storage fees while they're there. And I said, our experience has been, then once you get it released from customs, your shipment has been broken into, and about half of it is stolen or gone. So, I thought, well, that's probably not a good idea. But at, around that same time, Honduras had experienced a horrendous flood. There was something like 15 feet of rain that fell within three days, if I remember right. You can go back and Google that and get the numbers correct on that. But it was it was just horrendous. And it, it had devastated the country. But more than the flood devastating the country, it's what they did after the flood. And what happened, there was, there, there was a dam and there was a lot of pressure building up on that dam and they were afraid the walls were going to break so they decided to open the dam but they did it at night and didn't tell anybody when they opened the dam up it was a tsunami coming out of there it it it, if you've ever been to countries like honduras people build their homes on the sides of the hills and it washed them away 12,000 people were confirmed dead. 10,000 were missing that had been swept into the sea. A prison there had been, I mean, when the waters came down, it started breaking the building apart. Prisoners were jumping out of windows. Hospital was gutted. Coca-Cola plant washed away. I mean, all kinds of devastating things. And so we took the shipment in. Dole Banana Company agreed to send it for us, and they did it free of charge. I met with the international coordinator over there that would be equivalent to our surgeon general here and made the presentation. And then we, I was in Tegucigapa, and I was supposed to travel to Seba, So I had a truck that we had rented people in and I had a guy driving I was in the back and it's at night man you can't you know I mean it's dark and I'm back there kind of you know kicked back and relaxed when all of a sudden man the brakes locked up I went flying forward and the thing comes to a screeching halt and I said what's going on what's going on the bridge was washed out there were no sign no lights there was a, a sign in the middle of the darkness and the sign was standing right in front of a huge pile of rock that they had, they had, I guess, pushed up there. I don't know what it was, but, man, we came that close, just treacherous. There's times in life that you don't understand the danger that's in the road ahead of you. So, you just need to trust God for the journey. Everybody say, trust him. See, here's a problem, though. How many of you are a backseat driver? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like, if you're not, if, and this is what, this is what always <laughs> Hi, honey. No, this, uh, this, uh, this is what always, this is what always gets me, is that it's like, no, you drive, you drive, and then they're going to tell you how to drive. <laughs> and and then what happens is, is it's like, you, you know, they give you five, they give you five over, you can, you can do five. She told me that one time, what they gave me was a ticket, and, uh. And and Debbie's got this philosophy in life, and we got pulled over. They gave me a ticket, and I said, they give you five, huh? And she said, well, now, honey, just think about all those times that you were speeding and you didn't get a ticket. (laughs) I mean, is your glass half full or half empty? And so, you know, here's the problem, is that if you're a backseat driver, I (laughs) I probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) You're not a backseat driver, honey. You can be, yeah. But, and when you're a backseat driver, you're really annoying. Everybody say, you can be annoying. Now, thank God. I'm, I'm glad sometimes that I've had some backseat drivers with me to keep me awake. <laughs> exactly. And so, but, but what I'm saying is this, is that you're either going to trust God with this journey or you're not. And what I've discovered is there's a lot of people that are backseat drivers when it comes to God. And they're trying to tell God what he ought to be doing, when he ought to be doing it, how he ought to be doing it, instead of just trusting God. There was a missionary I had, uh, I was friends with for years, worked with in Mexico. He had a bumper sticker in the car. It said, Set down, buckle up, and shut up. <laughs> and if you ever drove with him, you understood the bumper sticker, man. And phew! I thought he's a pilot, but we ain't in a plane, you know. And it, so it's sometimes the journey becomes treacherous, and there are steep places. Everybody, say it with me: steep places. In the book of Habakkuk. Let me let me read the scriptures I'm going to read, and then we'll come back and take a look at this. In verse 17, Habakkuk chapter three, and verse starting with verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high places. Everybody say, high places. So what's going on here, if you study the book of Habakkuk, you find out that this prophet, he, he's got a, a bone to pick with God. Any of you ever try to pick a bone with God? You know, he, and so he, he sits down and he's, he's having a, this you know, talk with God, and he's saying, God, I don't get it. He's saying, Israel is messing up. Everybody say, God's people. He said, they're, they're messing up. They're doing all these things that aren't right, and, and you're letting them get away with it. Now, it's kind of like the 73rd Psalm that Asaph wrote when he says, my feet had not well slipped when I considered the wicked in their ways. And what he was talking about, he said, man, there's nothing happening to these folks, and, and I'm trying to do what's right, and, and, and how come I'm having all this trouble? Well, Habakkuk's looking at Israel, and they're doing all this stuff, and he's asking God. He's saying, you're just letting them get away with this. And then God pulls him in close. He said, come here. I want to share something with you. I'm going to tell you something you're not going to believe. You you hear about the Babylonians? They were wicked, man. They were evil. They were, I mean, the dregs of society. He said, I'm going to use the Babylonians and let them come in and whip Israel. And Habakkuk went, What? you got to be kidding me. You, you can't mean to tell me that you're going to let people that are worse than we are come in and judge us and, 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 you're, and you're, they're going to get away with all this stuff. I mean, you, you can't mean that God and God said, no, I got a plan. Everybody say God has a plan. How many of you ever thought you had a plan and you found that your plan wasn't planned out so well? Do you ever do anything with a knee-jerk reaction? Just anybody in here ever do something knee-jerk? How, how, many of you, how many of you understood after you did it why they called the last part of that jerk? <laughs> it's like, man, what? if you, you, you ever do something like that and then step back and go, I can't believe I just did that. You know, you thought it was a good idea at the time. And I, I remember as a young Boy, I was at a laundromat in Geneva, Illinois. I could take you to the town, man. I was in Geneva, Illinois, and my dad's inside doing laundry, and there's this rope that's hanging from the wall outside. And I thought, about Batman. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are going to have to. Go back and Google this stuff to find out what I'm talking about. Batman, you know, the Batman and Robin show back then, he always had that bat meringue or whatever it was called, and he'd throw it up, you know, and they'd they'd climb up the side of the wall. I saw that rope hanging there, and I thought, I'm going to do me a Batman. So I grabbed hold of that rope, and I start up the side of this wall. I put my feet up against the brick, and I managed to get both my feet on the wall, and I'm getting ready to pull myself up, and my sister came by to help me. Her name is Darlene. Not Darlin, but Darlene, because what she did sure wasn't Darlene. And she, she comes in behind me, and she, get, she gets underneath me, and she says, here, Rick, let me help you. And she pushed me. Well, when she pushed me, she pushed my feet out from underneath me. So my feet, the, the pressure I had against the wall is now lost. And when she pushed my feet out from underneath me, then she let go of me, and I came down with my face, pow! Man, I felt like I shoved those teeth up into my brain. Everybody say veneers. These, if I didn't have veneers when I smiled at you, you'd think I was from up in, well, never mind. But it, it, it just broke those, it, it broke those teeth out, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've always been good about staying calm, cool, and collected. And so I, when I, I felt that, and I saw my teeth were gone, I went, ah! And my dad came out, and Dad's gift has never been mercy. And so I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, and my dad went, "Dry that up, boy!" I go, ah, ah, ah. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I just needed to yell, and it dried that up, and it took me inside now. I'm sitting there.) <laughs> And my sweet sister, Darlene, came in with a tooth that I had chipped off. And she said, Rick, maybe we can glue it back. (laughs) Seemed like a good idea at the time when that rope was hanging off the wall. But everybody say knee jerk. Honestly, you could leave the knee out of it just a jerk, man. Just, you know, I wasn't thinking about the repercussions of it, about what could happen to me. And so that's what makes this chapter so powerful. Is because God never does anything knee-jerk. God always has a plan. Now check this out. Before he created Adam and Eve, God had a plan. Some people say, well, I don't know if God loves me. When I finish this plan, you're going to understand how much God did love or does love us. The Bible says concerning Jesus that he is a lamb slain from the foundations of the world. In other words, from the very beginning, God knew man would fail, but he said, I'm not going to throw you away. I'm going to find a way to restore you. Everybody say restoration. Isn't that powerful? Restoration is a powerful thing. That's why we endure scalpels. We go into surgery and go through, you know, let let them cut on our knees knowing that it's going to be painful, knowing that it's going to hurt, but with the idea that through the pain, there'll be restoration. Say it with me. Through the pain, there'll be restoration. So he says all this, and then he's talking to God. And When God lets him in on his plan, he's about to, you know, fall apart. And think, I can't believe you're going to do this. But then God tells him about restoration. It's not going to end there. Where you're at right now isn't the end of your journey. It's not going to end there. And he talks to him about restoration. And then something very powerful happens when he gets a hold of that. I want you to go back now. And we're going to look at these verses 17 and 18. Because these two verses give the finest display of resignation and confidence. The prophet knows that evil was at hand and unavoidable. But he knew that God was merciful and gracious. He trusted God's promise of restoration, even though all the appearances were against its fulfillment. How many of you ever looked at something and just said, There's just no way, God? There's just no way, God. And I'm telling you that that happened in the book of Kings. There was a a famine going on in the land, and they were selling donkeys' heads and dove's dung, and it was high dollar. And the king sent to, to take Elijah's life. And Elijah knows he's coming. And he said he sent a man, stop him at the door. And the king comes right behind him. And he's going, and the king's just frustrated. He doesn't know what to do. And, and Elijah speaks to him. And he said, I'm telling you that tomorrow at this time, you're going to be able to buy barleys of wheat and bushels of barley. I mean, you're going to be able to buy bushels of wheat and bushels of barley for pennies. And the guy that was standing there with the king, his king's advisor, made this statement. He said, even if the windows of heaven opened up, this couldn't happen. Don't ever question God's plan. Don't ever doubt what God's able to do. This is what Elisha said to that man. He said, because of your unbelief, you're going to see it happen, but you won't get to experience any of it. Man, I'd hate to think I lived my whole life for God, and then at the end of it do something knee-jerk that would cause me to miss out on the promise that's always been there, on the plan that God had. As a matter of fact, 24 hours later, within 24 hours— The enemy that had camped out and had besieged them and had a blockade up, they heard the sound of an army coming through their camp, and it was God making the sound, and they all cut and run. Some lepers go into the camp and discover it. Man, they're eating mashed potatoes and gravy and leg of lamb and chicken a la king and, you know, whatever else they had. I probably know chicken a la king. But they, they're just having a big time and eating that. And they go back and they tell everybody. And so when the town finds out, when Samaria finds out, they, they all rush out of town. You remember that advisor, the king? The king tells him, you go and stand at the gate and, and, and guard the gates, you know, to let the people in and out. Well, when the people heard what was going on, man, it was like a Black Friday at Walmart. They trampled him. They trampled him and he died there having seen it. But not experienced it. I don't come to church just to see you all, even though you look good. I don't come to church just to go through some, you know, emotion. You know, we're going to sing three songs, have a special, do this and do that, going to listen to the preacher for about 30 minutes unless he's long winded. I don't do that for those purposes. I come. Because I want an encounter with him. I want to experience him. And so we've got to keep our eyes on him. Everybody say keep your eyes on him. So this is, what, this is what Habakkuk says. He comes to this conclusion when he realizes that God has a plan and that the promise is coming. Listen to what he says in verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom... In other words, the fig tree is going to dry up. There's not going to be any figs on it, nor fruit on the vines. Grape vines are going to dry up, though the labor of the olive may fail. No olives on the olive tree. You're talking about famine. And the fields yield no food. You remember when the pandemic hit and you went into Walmart and all the shelves were empty? And you're thinking, man, I can't even find a roll of toilet paper around here. Can't get a loaf of bread. Everything seems, he, he knows this is coming. He said, and listen to what he says. He says, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. There's no hamburger meat on the shelves. There's nothing, no meat, no food, no fruit, no nothing. Listen to what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. What's he saying? I understand all this stuff is coming, uh, but it's not going to move me uh, because God's got a plan. uh, And I believe in his plan. I believe in his promise. uh, And I'm going to see it come to pass in my life. But if you get, the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways he's like a wave of the wind man on the ocean just back and forth have you ever seen somebody can't make up their mind just hang around for a few more minutes and when church is over listen in the lobby to people trying to figure out where to go to eat I'm like, where do you want to go I don't care it doesn't matter to me well okay let's go down here to KFC no I don't want to go to KFC well where do you want to go I don't care it doesn't matter to me Well, let's go to 17th Street. No, that's always, you know, they got some dead pig in there on a table. I don't want to go in there and look at that. Well, where do you want to go then? It doesn't matter. Just anywhere is fine. Just you know, you, you understand what I'm talking about? Some folks can drive you up a wall because of their undecisiveness. I want you to hear me. I plan to serve God all the days of my life. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. I'm not calling it quits. I'm not letting something get to me or somebody get to me. I'm going to hold on to God come hell or high water. I refuse to let go of God. And I'm not using that derogatory. If you understand hell, it means torment. So whether I'm going through torment or I'm facing a flood, I am going to hold on to God. Everybody say, hold on to him. Now, this is what he says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds' feet. He's going to give me the ability to go up some steep places. Do you ever have any steep places in your life? throw up that first picture, the before picture of W. Mitchell. There's W. Mitchell, 46 years old. He had a motorcycle accident that burnt 65, over 65% of his body. His face, they became disfigured because of all the layers of Thank you, the grabs. I was trying to find that word. All the layers of grass, they did it like quilt work. Go to that next picture. And so, he found himself in an unbelievable situation. Sixteen surgeries left him unable to pick up a fork. He couldn't dial a phone. And he could not go to the restroom unassisted. And yet... Because he was a former Marine, he never believed he was defeated. He said, it's my up or my down. He said, I could choose to see this as a setback or a starting point. Six months later, he was piloting a plane again. He went into business with two friends and co-founded a wood-burning stove company that grew to be Vermont's second largest private employer. Go ahead and cut it off. So he, everybody say he achieves. Four years after that motorcycle accident, he's flying a plane and crashes it on the runway from a stalled takeoff. Left him crippled from the waist down. He said, I thought to myself, what in the world? going on why is this happening to me why what did I do to deserve all this anybody ever been there before where all of a sudden we be why why is this happening but in spite of all that with a dogged determination he works night and day to regain as much of his independence as possible he was elected mayor in his city in Colorado to save the town's beauty from mining company. He went on to run for Congress with this slogan, not just another pretty face. <laughs> he he turned what people looked at his liability into an asset. He He pushed past. It was a steep climb. It was a treacherous journey, but he pushed past that. And despite all of his physical challenges, he began white water rafting. He fell in love and got married. He earned a master's degree in public administration. He began flying again. I'm thinking, buddy, I don't even want to be around a plane again. He starts flying again. He appears on the Today Show and on Good Morning America. And this is what he tells the people. He said, before I was paralyzed, there were 10,000 things I could do. Now there are 9,000. Listen to what he says. He says, I can either dwell on the thousand I lost or focused on the 9,000 I have left remember it's not what happens to you it's what you do about it somebody shout yes you're not going to get through life without trouble you're not going to get through life without steep places and you can either sit down and pout and get into a funk or you can say you know what God is my strength God is my source David said I'm going to look to the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord and stand up and declare if God be for me, I, who can be against me? <laughs> steep places are there. They exist. Just ask Jesus. It was a steep climb to Golgotha. What drives him there? What's causing him to make that climb? The promise of restoration. It was a painful process. But God equipped him for the journey. Did he feel the pain? Yes, he did. Did he suffer? Yes, he did. But he also let them understand something. Before he started on the journey, he said, no man is taking my life from me. I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to pick it back up. I don't want you to look at what I'm going through like I don't have a choice and I'm just trapped by my circumstance and my situation. He wanted you to understand that I love you too much to leave you where you are. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to capture you. I'm going to change you. And it involved a steep climb. Everybody say, go for it. Every once in a while, you just got to pull your boots on. Everybody say, these boots are made for walking, and walking's what they'll do. I was just waiting to see if anybody knew the rest of that song. (laughs) So, here's here's what you have to do. You have to make up your mind, I'm not going to let my circumstance take me down. I'm not going to let it take me out. Mitchell made the statement and said, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. Those goats that you saw climbing a vertical wall, for what? What are they after? Salt. Let me say it this way. Those goats made that steep, treacherous climb Because there's something up there they need. Oh, you ain't hearing what I'm saying. What makes you get up and pray every morning? There's something up there I need. What makes you face that treacherous journey? Why don't you just throw in the towel and quit and give up and walk away? Because there's something I need and his name is Jesus. He's promised that he'll never leave me or forsake me. And as long as I keep my focus on him, I can focus on the thousand things I've lost or I can focus on the 9,000 that I've gained. Somebody hear what I'm saying? He is my focus. And he, how can, how can you do that? Because he, he made my feet so they don't fail me when the way gets steep, when the road gets rocky. Everybody say, I'm, I'm made for this climb. <laughs> it's not going to take me out. I'm going over. I'm made for the, did you see those goats? Th- that wall's like this, man, and they're up there licking it, lick it. I mean, honest to goodness, I'm thinking there's a lot of things I would be doing if I was on a climb like that. You might see a lot of sweat popping out of my head. I guarantee you, you're not going to see me licking a little that wall. <laughs> now, hear what I'm going to say. God equipped us not only to be able to make the journey, but to be able to enjoy the journey <laughs> along the way. Would you stand with me today? If you're in this house today and you haven't begun that journey yet, you you may be in a treacherous place. You know, it's a treacherous place to leave this building not knowing you're saved. Treacherous place to be. Because you don't know what the journey holds out there. I was sharing with our group Chosen Last Wednesday about, there was a young man, my my son was on his way to work, and he came across an accident just off of 55 at Scott City. A car had gone, this happened a few weeks ago, a car went off the overpass. He said, Dad, he said it was bad. I said, what? He said, I don't know what happened. He said, but I can tell you this. The guy didn't survive it. I said, how do you know? He said, because I saw his body laying on the side of the road without a head. It decapitated him. When he took off that morning, he didn't know that that was going to be the last time he would drive. He didn't know that the journey would end there. Question is, was he ready for it? I understand, I'm smart enough to know that one of these days my journey is going to end here. But when it ends here, do you understand, the ball, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when I close my eyes here, I'm going to be like that goat, On the, I'm going to take one giant step. I, I know it's a treacherous place, I know it's a steep place, but he has equipped me for the journey and I'm going to step out of this life into glory and be in the presence of my Lord. Are you ready? Can you make that leap? Can you make that step? Have you made preparations for it? That stuff's not a roll of the dice. That's not guesswork. Somebody said, well, pastor, I I think I'm saved. Well, let me just say this to you. If you think you're saved, you ain't saved. What are you talking about? something as important as your salvation is not guesswork it's not maybe so or i think so it's i know so paul said i know in whom i've trusted and whom i have believed." it's not a statement of arrogance it's a statement of confidence in the one that saved you you can't say well you know i don't think he saved you oh yes he did i was there when it happened He changed me. He changed the way I think. He changed the way I talk. He gave me something to help me make it through. He wants to do that for you today. So if you're in this building and you haven't done that yet, or if you're watching online and you haven't done that yet, I wonder if today you'd take time and just make preparations right now. We make it so difficult coming up in—I've seen so many times when it's a list—no, it's not a list, it's a relationship. You didn't accidentally get married to your wife, did you? My wedding was not a shotgun wedding. I got married because I fell in love. And after, it'll be 40 years this year. We got married as infants. (laughs) Forty years this year. And I'm still in love with the same girl I was in love with back then. For God, it's been a little longer than that. I had my ups and downs, I had my ins and outs. But there was a time in my life where all of a sudden God got a hold of me like he'd never gotten a hold of me before. And it was because I finally surrendered like I had never surrendered before. And he gave me Heinz feet to get me through some treacherous places. There I look across this building and there's faces that I see that I know have experienced that transformation. You don't even walk with the same feet you used to walk with. Used to kick off your shoes, we'd find that your feet look a little different today. They've got a grip to them that they didn't have before. Keeps you through slippery places and treacherous times. Causes you to lock into the promise of God and say, I know some stuff's happening, yet I'm going to joy in the God of my salvation. I'm going to praise him for all he's done. So if you're here and you haven't made that commitment, I wonder, and you that are watching online, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I surrender. I'm tired of trying to go it alone. And I'm asking you to please forgive me, rescue me, and restore me. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I say yes to you and no to my old way of life. And I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Come on and give me a hand clap of praise. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Angels are rejoicing right now. Somebody said, oh, it can't be that easy. It wasn't that easy. He did the hard part. He's the one that made the climb to Golgotha. And all he's asking us to do is say yes to him. So look, if you're in here today and you've had, you, you've had some treacherous places, you, you may even be in some steep places right now. I just want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me. Matter of fact, if you need special prayer, if you're in an exceptionally steep place and you say, Pastor, I, I just need somebody to lay hands on me, I want you to come down to the front today as we pray this prayer. But this is what I want you to get a hold of. You're not alone. You ever see mountain climbers? What's one rule in mountain climbing? Do you, anybody know the one rule? The, the first rule is what? Yeah, don't look down. That's a good rule, but that's not number 1. The number 1 rule in mountain climbing and a lot of climbers ignore it. It's never climb alone. Because if you climb alone and you slip, you got to learn how to let him come with you. Everybody say Jesus I'm not going any place without you. Invite him in. I, I, I'm going to, I, I want to share this story with you. I know you've been sitting for a while. That's why I'm letting you stand for a while. Let me share this with you. We're going to pray. There was a young man slipped off, made the trip on his own, slipped off the edge of a mountain, grabbed hold of a branch on his way down, locked onto it and it's hanging there screaming at the top of his voice someone help me someone help me screaming out is anybody up there is anybody up there help me finally a voice hollered he said I'm here and I'll help he said who is it who is it and he said it's God God I'm so glad you showed up help me help me God what should I do and the Lord spoke to him and he said let go man the guy's in pitch black hanging on you know it was at night and he's hanging on he says let go all of a sudden, it got real quiet, and then the, you hear a voice yell out, Is anybody else up there? <laughs> see, we want God to come with us, but we want God to do it our way. We don't want to listen to what He's got to say because, after all, God, don't you? You don't understand what's going on down here. You don't see the situation I'm in. He knows where you're at, He knows what you're going through, and He knows what you need boy holds on all night long light comes in the morning he found out he was six inches off the ground we struggle when we don't need to struggle we sweat it out when we don't need to sweat it out what we need to do is trust God pull on your boots and say look out here I come and I'm not coming alone stretch those hands to heaven with me right now father I thank you father for everyone that's in here today I pray your blessing over their life. I ask you, God, to give them a spirit of confidence, knowing that you are there, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And even when the road is treacherous and the the climb is steep, remind us to rejoice in you because you have a plan and you've already won the victory for us. We give you praise for it now in Jesus' name. Come on and give me a hand clap of praise in this building. You're in here. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you this week to make up your mind. I'm going to be a mountain climber. Say it with me. I'm going to be a mountain climber. I noticed some of you didn't say anything. I'm not asking you to go physically climb a mountain. Just say it one time, I'm going to be a mountain climber. And what that means is this, is that you will not allow steep places to intimidate you. And you will not allow steep places to intimidate those around you. But you will be a strength to them. You will be an anchor for them what they do in mountain climbing. They anchor to each other. And the truth is, is the biggest thing they're anchored to is that rock. And that rock is Christ. They, they, they fasten in to the very mountain that they're climbing. And you hear me. He's already determined he's going to get us home. Everybody say it with me. I'm coming home. Come on, let's give him another hand clap of praise. God bless you today. We love you. Oh yeah. Hey, hold hold just a second. If you would just freeze where you're at. Everybody's going uh, to Lynch. If you would run up here real quick. We want to ask the church to pray over us real quick. Just come real quickly. Nobody's going to lynch. Come real quick. Come real quick. You know what? He didn't even know he was doing what he was doing was symbolic. Because this is what I believe. I believe that on this trip, God is saying, I got you covered. You're not going to have to worry. You're not going to have to worry. Would you pray for us? Ray, come come on up here and pray for us. There's more coming. This trip isn't about, this isn't about an enjoyment. This is about a purpose. We believe that God knows what that purpose is. Thank you, Amen. We love you all. Have a great week.